Uh, we started this new series last week, uh, Stories of Faith. So we changed the word from Jesus to faith. Faith is alive, and we moved Jesus to the side, but he's still here. Uh, but faith is alive. We have a living faith. It's not a dead faith. It's a living faith. It's a, it, it, it grows, and it's supposed to increase in us. It's not supposed to just lie dormant. And I, like so many Christians, they just have this, they have this defo- deposit of faith, and it just lies dormant in their lives, and they haven't allowed it or nurtured it and seen, seen it increase in their lifetime. So that's what this, this series is about, is your faith increasing. As you hear these stories, as you hear these testimonies, that it will bolster your faith. It will cause you to say, if God can do it for her, if God can do it for him, if God can do it for that couple, he can do it for me. Amen? He's not a respecter of persons. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews 11. We're staying in Hebrews 11 this whole series, unless God says something else. And next week... Uh, it's Family Sunday. It's going to be about the faith of Noah because he's. Uh, I think it's going to be a really a special Sunday. So, bring your kids with you next Sunday. It's going to be. It's going to be really exciting in here. So we're, we're we're inviting. We're going to bring a lot of animals in, and no, we're not. <coughs> we're going to have horses and donkeys and camels and elephants and no, we're not. <coughs> Just bring the kids in. That's enough, right? So I think I'm going to try, to, even, even as I read Hebrews 11, do different translations each week uh, so you can see it from a different perspective maybe. So we're going to be in the New King James. Last week we were in the Passion. Uh, this week we're in the New King James. So I want to re- reiterate what we, uh, just a little bit of what we shared last week so you can have a basis for this series. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders, and who he's writing about in this chapter, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony or witness. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. He just spoke it into existence. So that the things which are, are seen now which were not made of things which are visible. In other words, there was nothing and then there was something. Because God's power. He just spoke it into, into existence. So hopefully we'll understand that we all have been given faith. And our faith doesn't come from us. It comes from God. He's given us a measure of faith. Say measure of faith. <coughs> And your, your faith is expressed through your trust. Say, faith is expressed through trust. Faith is expressed through trust. Okay, so faith is more just have than having it up here. Oh, I believe this, I believe this, I believe that. It's expressed by your actions and your trust, how you live your life. That's what we've been, we've been singing about all, all morning, that we'll magnify the Lord. How do you magnify Him? You magnify Him with your life. You magnify Him with not just your words. Words are kind of cheap sometimes. I, I know there's power in our words, but sometimes we cheapen the, the words in our life, even though they're positive words, by our actions, by the way we live, right? So this morning we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to continue about faith. You know, you've heard the, the term, seeing is believing. Well, faith is just the opposite of that. Faith is believing is seeing. Amen. Believing is seeing. You already believe it in your heart. You already, you've prayed and you've trusted God, and now you're going to see it. That's faith. It was unseen, now it's seen. You know what blesses me so much in this body of believers? Is when I see faith activated and I see the result of restored lives. Yeah. Man, I can go through this, this, this crowd here this morning and I see people that God took you out of the dirt, the, 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 the mud, out of the sin, out of the darkness, and he's restored you. And I've seen, we've had testimonies of faith all week in this church. You think this is just a Sunday morning kind of thing? It's not. It's, there's something going on here every day. And I'm telling you, when I was walked through the food pantry Friday, I was never more blessed than I was Friday. Walking through and seeing 
So many people getting help. So many people getting prayer. There was one lady that was brought in, and, and she's, uh, she's familiar to most of the, the workers down there, the volunteers. And she came in after a long period of being away. And she is, she's been abused. She's been uh, tortured. She's been everything you can imagine has, been, has happened to this woman. And she came in, and her, and her hair was so matted. Church, I, you can't even imagine how terrible it was. But she knew she could come here and somebody would love on her. And we have people, and I'm not going to call them out because I don't want to embarrass them, but we have, we have ladies and sometimes men that cut hair here. And, and they, they come in, they come, they don't just get food, they get, they get haircuts and, and they, they brought her in and they took her to a separate room because they didn't want to embarrass her. And they worked on her hair for, I think, about six hours. Somebody else to, went and got clothes for her, got clean clothes for her, because she's been living out in the, just out in the streets. And they spent over four to six hours just getting her hair back where she could comb it. Guys, that's what we do as believers. We don't just say, oh, God bless you. I hope you find somebody that helps you. No, we do it. And I thank God for the people of this body that are, yes, that have this heart of servants. I saw divine appointments all week. God just showed up. And listen, if you don't believe in divine appointments, if you believe in coincidences, you can if you want to, but I believe in divine appointments. And I saw them all week long. I got to do Aura and, and Flint's wedding yesterday. And... Um, you know what? The Lord just showed this to me right before I got up to do the ceremony in, in the prayer. He, he said, Harold, this is an arranged marriage. I, I want, have you seen those movies where they get some girl and some guy because they're both they're kings or they're princes and they have arranged marriages and they, and, you know, the, 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 the plot's always, well, I want somebody I love, but no, you have to marry this woman. You know, she's been picked out for you. And, and, uh, and, and but, and, and they usually don't want to, they don't want the arranged marriage. But I said, you know what? God arranged that marriage yesterday. And he's arranging things in your life. You don't even know what he's setting up for you. So if you are, if you are going to get married, let God arrange the marriage. Yeah. Let him pick your bride or, your, or your, your groom, whatever. But let God do something in your life so you can say, this was an arranged marriage. God did it. Okay? So uh, verse 4 says, By faith, Abel, this was last week's sermon, offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, to which he obtained witness that he was righteous and God testifying of his gifts and though and through it being dead still speaks. So we talked about that. You can go back and watch last week's sermon, but I wanted to give you the order of this. Abel, Cain and Abel, remember, uh, Cain brought the gift. It wasn't a good gift. Abel brought the better gift, but it wasn't about what the gift, so much about the gift that they brought, but the condition of their heart. Cain was an angry man. Cain had, was a jealous person. He ended up killing his little brother, Abel. So we have that. And, and so these, the word is still speaking. If the word is still speaking. Thousands of years later, what happened to Abel, Cain and Abel is still speaking to us today. Verse 5. By faith. This is the next one. By faith, Enoch. Say Enoch. Enoch. In Hebrew, it's really one of those, those words. So we're just going to say Enoch because I don't want you spitting on your neighbor. <clears throat> By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and he was not found. Isn't that cool? He was just taken away. He did not see death, and he was not found. Where is Enoch? I don't know. He's just not. He's not found. Because God had taken him, but for before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. 
So, well, God, that's not a whole lot to give me to preach on. He just pleased God. How did, how did he make the hall of faith? Because he just pleased God. Why did God just take him away? Because he pleased God. So I had to get in. I had to do some digging. I love digging into the Word. Y'all like to dig into the Word? Read, read uh, uh, commentaries and, and other, what other theologians say about this. So I began to dig into the Word. And, and I wanted to find out who Enoch was. But listen, before we talk, find out about Enoch, the verse 6 is the one that we know. We don't think about Enoch too much when we read verse 6, do we? It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him, to please God. So he just said, Enoch, please God. That's why God took him away. And then he says, follows it right up. The writer of Hebrews says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him, to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. What does that mean? You must believe that he is God. Okay. And that he is a rewarder. Say rewarder. rewarder. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So this says a little bit more about why God took Enoch away, because he pleased him. And so that's, that's the essence of what we're going to be talking about. Are you pleasing God with your life? So now let's go back to Genesis because we've got to go there to find out a little bit more about Enoch. Okay? Genesis 4, and I've got to clear up something very quickly. Let's look at verse Genesis 4, 16. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of, the, of Nod on the east of Eden. This is after God cast him out because he had killed his, his little brother. And Cain knew his wife, and that means he slept with her, and they had a child. She conceived and bore Enoch. And he built a city, and he called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. Newsflash, this is not the same Enoch of, Ele of Hebrews. Okay, just so you know. Because if you just read that, you'll think, well, I could have actually told you, and many of you would have been, well, that's the same Enoch. You know, wow, that's cool. He turned his life around. It's not the same Enoch. Okay? So then you have to go to Genesis chapter 5. Okay, so turn to Genesis chapter 5. And I thought, should I read all the genealogy? Because... I don't know, because we could just skip a lot of this and get right to Enoch. But God said, nope, read it all. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female. Say male and female. Say, so I don't see anything else there but male or female. Do you all see anything else? All right, he created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day they were created. And Adam lived... 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. Now the name of Seth, he's, he's a, you know what the name Seth means? It means compensation. Isn't that interesting? Because he was compensating for the loss of his son Abel. Think about it. Abel meant uh, breath or gentle breeze. Uh, and Cain was, uh, you know, possession. And now Abel has been, has been killed by Cain. And so they get it. They, they, they conceive and have another son. And he, they name him Compensation. <laughs> Hey, comp, come here. <laughs> Not condensation, compensation. Okay. So, uh, compensation was taking place here. They had another son. And now we go to verse 4. And after he begot Seth, the days of Adam were 800 years, and he had sons and daughters. So people go, well, where do all these women come from that they're having babies with? How does their population come? Because they all had sons and daughters. Many sons and many daughters. Next week, you're going to be, I'm going to kind of give you a little... Heads up on the Noah story because by the time Noah got here, there might have been as many as one billion people on the earth. You ever think about that? The Bible says it's overpopulated. Maybe up to a billion, possibly, because if you just do the math, okay? If you just do the math. Sons and daughters for all these generations because they live so long, okay? So here we go. He had sons and daughters, and he lived how long? So all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. 
900, say 930 years. 930 years. You know how I think. I've got I to gotta throw this in here. How many of you go to like Hobby Lobby looking for birthday cards? And you know somebody's like 40, so you're trying to find the one that says 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 or 90. Can you imagine them going to, the, to a Hobby Lobby and looking for, oh, I've got to find that 800th birthday card. <laughs> She's going to be 800, yeah. How many of you save your birthday, how many of you save your birthday cards? Oh, uh, hands up. Can you imagine? Just think. Eve, where's my birthday cards? They're here, honey. <laughs> I save them all. 930. How many birthday parties did Adam have? I don't know. 930. I didn't have my first birthday party till I was 18. Oh. And my wife threw it. Yeah, she felt so sorry for me. So maybe they didn't have them every, nine, every year back then. But nine, I know, she was my girlfriend. 930 years, 930 birthdays. A lot of people, like, they like to explain that away. Well, that really wasn't 930 years. You know what I believe it was? 930 years. Because the world was perfect. The, 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 the flood had not come. See, the flood messed up our ecosystem big time. Back then, everything was pure. That's why they're the DNA. They could have children. Uh, they could intermarry and all those things. But after the flood, things changed. And, and a lot of things changed after the flood. And after the flood, guess what? The, time, the, 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 the limit of years that God put on man was about 120 years. But before then, there was no limit. 930 years. All right, let's keep going. Seth lived, this is verse 6, Seth lived 105 years and begot Enosh. And after he begot Enosh, Seth lived 807 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Seth were 912 years and he died. Enosh lived 90 years and begot Canaan. Now their Canaan is another's name for Cain. I'm thinking, why can't you come up with it? They didn't have baby name books back then. <laughs> Canaan and Cain, pretty much the same, same name. So all the days of Seth were not, okay, and he begot Canaan. And after he begot Canaan, Enos lived 815 years, and he had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enos were 905 years, and he died. So Canaan lived 70 years. See, they started getting babies a little sooner. You notice that? It's 130 and has 70 years. I got, we got to have a kid. All right, so Canaan lived 70 years and begot Mahalalel. That means, I think it means praise the Lord. After he begot Mahalalel, Canaan lived 840 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Canaan were 910 years and he died. And Mahalalel lived 65 years and begot Jared or Yared. And after he begot Jared, Mahalalel lived 830 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years and he died. Now to Enoch. Isn't that interesting, though? We're talking about generation after generation after generation. Five generations after Adam, we find Enoch, or six. Verse 18, Jared lived 162 years and begot Enoch. And after he begot Enoch, Enoch means dedicated, Jared lived 800 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. Enoch lived 65 years and got, begot Methuselah. Oldest living human being. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Notice any difference there? Everybody else ate 900 years. Enoch, 365 years. In verse 24 is where you want to kind of land. 
And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Just walked with God, and then he was not. I, I like how the Bible just says he was not, <laughs> and God took him. Isn't that a good way to go? Where's, it, where's Pastor Harold? I don't know. God took him. <laughs> He's not. <laughs> He's not. We could just come out with the song instead of he won't. He's not. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's go to uh, Hebrews 11, 5, and 6 again. Going to have to show you how these work together. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony. This was his testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So I would think that his reward, if you put those verses together, was that God says, come on home. Let me show you my house. You don't have to live another 600 years on this earth, Enoch. I just, you've, you've pleased me so much. I just want to take you home. Now, look at Genesis 5.24. I've got three translations I want to read to you. From the message, it says, Enoch walked steadily with God, and then one day he was simply gone. God took him. Say, walked steadily. steadily. All right, the Amplified. And in reverent fear and obedience. Say, reverent fear and obedience. obedience. Enoch walked with God, and he was not found among men because God took him away to be home with him. The expanded Bible says this, Enoch walked with God. He had a close relationship. Say, close relationship. He had a close relationship with God, and one day Enoch could not be found because God took him, like Elijah, and he did not die. Now, what's the common phrase in all of those verses, all those translations? Enoch did what? He walked with God. I said, don't be afraid to say it. He walked with, say, he walked with God. All of these talk about Enoch, and all of, the, all of these scriptures that we've all the breakdowns, it says he walked with God. So to please God, we must what? To please God, we must what? So what does that look? What, what does that mean? See, I can read you this, and I can give you this history lesson and all this information, but it is pretty cool, you know, just reading it and knowing what the names mean and know how they lived and, and all that, and have fun with their birthdays and all that. But listen, God says, no, don't just preach an informational message. This has got to be a transformational message. So some of you are not walking with God like you should walk with God. And so God wants you to walk with him. He says, well, pastor, what does it mean to walk with God? I think I know what it means, but I, maybe, maybe I'm missing something. So this morning, I want us to briefly look at what it means to walk with God, okay? Because I have a feeling that you're not going to get 300 years with him on earth. He had 300 years of walking with God. Do you know how much you get to know somebody if you walk with them for 300 years? How, how much you get to understand who they are if you're walking with them for 300 years. How many of you have a best friend? And maybe sometimes you go walking and you kind of get to know them. Mary, Mary Lou and Pam used to walk all the time. And when the weather was good and they were feeling good and all that stuff, and they would walk and they were three miles, three and a half miles, they would walk. And Mary Lou would come home and tell me everything going on in Pam's life. And, and I'm sure she went home and told Gary everything going on in our lives because we're so exciting. And, and you know, they, but... They, they knew each other so well. They still know each other very, very well because they've walked together. God wants us to walk with Him. See, we, we think, I'm going to walk with my husband, or I'm going to walk with my wife, or I'm going to walk with my, my mentor. Those are, those are cool. Those are important. But God, first and foremost, wants you to walk with Him. 
How does that look? Well, I will tell you the simple things. I'll give you the little heads up. Walking with God means walking in His Word, living in His Word. It means praying. It means being on your face before God. It means worshiping God in spirit and in truth. It means being around godly people. It means spending your time surrounded and being in the presence of the Almighty living God. That's what it means to walk with God in, in one vein of it, one, one part of that. So I want to break this down really quickly. First thing is walking where we walk in the light. Say, I'm walking in the light. All right, First, first John 1, 5 through 7 says, This is a message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all, none. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk, say, if we, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. See, if we're walking in the light, then we're going to walk with other people that are walking in the light, Brandy. How many of you like to walk in, in, in with, and you like to fellowship with other believers? See, if you don't want to fellowship with other believers, you've got a problem about being walking in the light. If you want to just be hanging out with your old friends that do the old stuff and bring up the old man and live the old life, listen, you're probably not walking in the light. Because when you're walking in the light, you're walking under the blood of Jesus. You're walking in the light of Christ. And he, sh- and he shines that light on the darkness, and the darkness has to go. What? It's got to flee in Jesus' name. So walking in the light, walking with God, it translates walking in the light, walking in fellowship. The second thing is walking in agreement. This is so huge, guys. Amos 3, 3 says, can two walk together unless they are agreed? Can two walk together unless they are agreed? Walking with God is a covenant relationship. And I would submit to you that, as a, that it is best to agree with Almighty God. See, that's the difference of you walking in, a, in agreement with your husband or your wife or your friends or your mentors or somebody. Because walking with God is not the same as that. You know why? Because God, is in, God is, should be the one that you're minding and listening to and submitting to. See, when you're walking in a covenant agreement with your husband or wife, she might say something, you might disagree with her, but y'all can work that out. Or he might say something, you might disagree with him, but y'all can work that out. Listen, if God's telling you what to do, then you don't need to, there's no discussion. Oh, but we want to discuss with God, don't we? We want, but, but God, we, you know, we say that, but God, or but God. But God, you know, I just want to do this this, this one time. I, this is, it's not going to hurt me. God says, no, don't do that. But God, we don't walk in agreement. Why would we think that we could walk in disagreement with Almighty God who knows our every breath, who knows every neutron and proton and everything else about us, who designed us, who put us together? He knows our past, our present. He knows our future. Why would we think that we could go against God and still be in agreement with God? You can't walk in agreement with God if you're in rebellion to God, church. You just can't. It doesn't work that way. So he says, can two walk together unless they agree? No, they really can't. Not with God. We make wrong decisions. But guess what? God doesn't. We sin. But guess what? God doesn't. We manipulate, but God doesn't. See, if you're walking in tandem with him, if you're, you're really walking in submission to him. That's what walking in agreement with God means. Saul thought he was walking with God, didn't he? You remember Saul of the New Testament? Not Paul. This is before he became Paul. It's confusing to some people, but this is the Saul of the New Testament. He thought he was walking in agreement with God. He thought God said, go and arrest Christians, have them thrown into jail, put them in prison so they can be killed. That's what he thought he was doing what he was supposed to do. Don't you believe that? He, he, man, he was going after it. He said, man, those Christians, they're going against God. 
He thought he was walking in agreement with God, but one day on the road to Damascus, he had, a, he had a war to go arrest more Christians, and God struck him down on the road to Damascus, and he said, Lord, Lord, what, what do you want? And, and, and you know what Jesus said to him? Paul, why are you, Saul, why are you kicking against the goats? In other words, Saul, you are not in agreement with God. You're doing exactly the opposite. You ought to be on their side, not against them. And so God convinced him, <laughs> when God strikes you blind, you kind of get, uh, you might, might want to listen to him. And then he starts telling you what down street to go to, what to turn right or to turn left and go find this man on the street called straight. And you go find this man. And he says, OK, uh, I don't know why you're here, but God just told me you're coming. OK, so he was kicking against the goats. You know what it means to kick against the goats? Anybody know what that means? If you've got an oxen, let's just say you've got a big old oxen up here and you've got this stick, then it's got a sharp point on the end of it. And you want that oxen to go in and stay in a straight line. You don't want him to wander off. You tap him on the heels. He'll straighten up. I mean, I, Lorenzo, you'd straighten up if I was sticking something in your heel, wouldn't you? you you're like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. But if an oxen would kick against that goat, guess what? It hurt even 10 times worse. Stuck in their, in their, in their leg. So God, God's saying, through Jesus was saying, Saul, why are you kicking against me? Why aren't you walking in agreement with me? So if you're going to walk with God, you need to walk in agreement with him. Some of you are not in agreement with God on some things in your life. You've argued with him. You've, you've tried to rationalize and compromise. You've tried to do everything but listen to God and what his still, his still small voice or the word of God is telling you to do. Well, you know, God, it's, an, it's not wrong to live in, a, in, in with, with somebody. Just because we're not married, it's not a big deal. And God says, uh, you're not in agreement with my word. Well, I, I'm living this certain, this, certain li- this certain kind of lifestyle. And God said, well, that's not the lifestyle I've created for you. Why are you living that lifestyle? Well, because I want to. Well, you're not in agreement with God. You're walking in your own selfishness and your own pride. Agreement. Agreement comes when we agree with the word of God and we re- agree with God himself. And apparently, apparently, Enoch agreed with God. Amen. Remember when Peter uh, rebuked Jesus for when Jesus said, I'm going to go to the cross, I'm going to die, and, and, and uh, Jesus said, he rebuked Peter. Remember what he said? Get thee behind me, Satan. You think Peter was in agreement with Jesus at that moment? No way, no how. Other times he was, but not that time. How many of you ever known that you've been out of agreement with God? Just lift your hands up, be honest. Should be everybody in here. Because at one time or another, God said, do this. And we said, no, I'm going to do that. Came out of agreement. So you're not walking with God when you're in disagreement with him. The third thing is walking in union. Say walking in union. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says this. Therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in union with him. Reflecting his character in the things you do and say, living lives that lead others away from sin, having been deeply rooted in him and now being continually built up in him and becoming increasingly more established in your faith, just as you were taught and overflowing in it with gratitude. Say walking in union. union. So let's break that down just one, this passage and we'll be done. What does it mean to walk in union according to or walking with Christ, walking with God according to Colossians 2, 6 and 7. The first thing it is, says, reflecting his character in the things you do and say, living lives that lead others away from sin. It starts with your character and your witness. Your character and your witness go hand in hand. 
Don't, don't get up here and tell me, oh, God's this and God's that, and then you go out there and you're cussing and you're, and you're, and you're blaming people and you're speaking negative words of life-killing words and you're walking out there and you're, living, and you're living and looking like the devil out there, but you come in here all shiny and, oh, God bless you, brother. I just love Jesus. is so good. Listen, it, listen if your character, listen, if your, yes is, if your yes is not yes and your no is not no, you're not walking in the character of God. If you're telling somebody you'll do something and you don't do it, you just became a liar. And I'll tell you this to your parents. If, if parents, if you tell your kids, if they do such and such, they're going to get this penalty. You're going to be put in time out or God forbid a spanking, you know. If you tell them that and then they do it again and you don't do anything, you become a liar. They don't trust you. If you're in, the, if you're in business, if you're in business, be a man of integrity, please. A woman of integrity. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let people know, hey, I can, you can trust that person. If they told you that, you can bet it's going to happen. That's your character. And when your character is one that when people trust you and they look at you and they say, well, I know that I know when she said that, man, you can, you can take that to the bank. Then guess what that does for your witness? It reaches people outside. It reaches people on the outside, the peripheral. Listen, Christians get a bad name, and a lot of times it's because we deserve it. Uh-oh. It's because we deserve it. Because we're not the same out there as we are in here. Right? So you're not walking with God when you're doing that. You're, your character and witness need to line up with the Word of God, church. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 says, But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. First mark of a Christian out there, not just in here, should be love. Love one another. Love the Muslim. Love the homosexual. Love the, love, the, lo, love the homeless. Love the people that are angry to you. Love the people that are mean to you. Love, the, love that person in the store that you know that just cheated you out of 20 bucks. Love them anyway. Oh, it just gets so quiet sometimes. <laughs> oh, but I only, only want to love them if they're lovely, you know. No. We don't have an option there, guys. Well, I just love my kids until they mess up. What? No, that's not an option. It's not an option. And indeed, you should do so toward all the brethren who are all in, in, are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more, that you aspire to lead. Listen, here's the character. There's the God's t- I'm talking about that God's speaking of. That you lead a quiet life. Hmm. To mind your own business. Eep. And to work with your own hands? What? what? Work with your own hands as we commanded you. And look what he says next. That you may walk properly toward those who are on the outside and that you may lack nothing. God honors, listen, diligently rewards those who please God and have faith. He, he, he rewards you. The last thing it says here, that you may lack nothing. You're walking properly with God. You're walking in the character of God. You're walking in the love of God. And you're, you're starting to draw people on the outside looking in. They're going, wow. There may be something to that Christianity. Now, I know some people that I don't want to be like them. And they may just be religious. But God's speaking to us this morning is about what's our character look like out there. What does it look like when the waitress doesn't get your order right? God forbid. <laughs> what? It says, well done, I ordered medium rare. Are you kidding me? Just ruined somebody's day because she didn't cook it. 
or he didn't cook it. If you're going to yell at somebody, go back to the kitchen. <laughs> y'all, are y'all getting my drift? We should look different out there, not just in here. A deeper faith is the second thing it talks about in Colossians 2, 6. Having been deeply rooted in him and now being continually built up in him and becoming increasingly more. That's that increasing faith established in your faith. I want to show you something. Hebrews eleven five. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. I got to thinking about that. Oh, my goodness. I'm still thinking about it. that look walking with God don't you wish scriptures sometimes just expound a little more I, I do because it doesn't say that he could actually see God it, it, I, I looked I checked it doesn't say that Lucy anywhere that he, he could see God it doesn't even say he could hear him you know Adam said they could hear him walking in the, in the garden they could hear Jesus, uh, God walking in the garden and so we're thinking, how did he walk for 300 years with somebody he couldn't see or necessarily or hear necessarily? By F-A-I-T-H. The same faith that Enoch had, you had the privilege of having also. Because we have not seen Jesus. Some of you may have heard his audible voice. I've heard it a couple of times. But most of, the, most of our time, we don't hear his audible voice. I mean, it would be cool if he emailed us or just left a voicemail, you know? So we are on the same level of Enoch that we also have to walk in faith. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. I've preached this passage many times at funerals. But mostly I preach the next verse. Look at it. After we walk by faith and not by sight, we are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. I was here and I wasn't. You getting my drift? Same thing happened to Enoch. We may have to go in a different way. But remember, our body's not in the casket. We're not in the urn anymore. When we are walking with God, if we are walking with God, if we know God, when we leave this earth, bang, we're gone. Just like Enoch. I was here, then I wasn't. How many of you have people that you know love Jesus that are gone, that, are, that passed away? That they're, okay, what, are they here? Where are they? They're gone. They were here, and then they were here no more. But by faith, by, by faith, not by sight, by faith, they entered into the presence of the Lord. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. See, Enoch done got nothing on us. Is that bad English or what? <laughs> and finally, gratitude. We can't end this one without talking about gratitude. The last part of that verse in Colossians, and overflowing in it with gratitude. 1 Thessalonians 4.1 says, Finally, believers, we ask and admonish you in the Lord Jesus that you follow the instruction that you receive from us about how you ought to walk and please God just as you are actually doing. 
and that you excel even more and more pursuing a life of purpose and living in a way that expresses gratitude to God for your salvation. Christ be magnified in me. Would you stand?